This is an Australian Museum podcast. Welcome to Amplify, a regular conversation featuring Australian Museum Director and CEO Kim McKay, speaking to researchers, scientists and other fascinating people from behind the scenes at the Australian Museum. Welcome to the Australian Museum's Amplify podcast. I'm Kim McKay, the Director of the Museum, and I get to chat to some of our wonderful scientists and other people who work here at the museum and also special guests who come to the Australian Museum. And indeed, this week, we have a fantastic special guest, the artist Janet Lawrence. In fact, Janet Lawrence is our first artist in residence at the Australian Museum. And today I'm going to talk to Janet about that whole concept of the nexus between art and science and also her incredible new work, Deep Breathing, which has just been installed here at the Australian Museum. Uh, If you don't know Janet's work, I suggest you go and check it out. Uh, She created a version of Deep Breathing for the Paris Climate Change Talks held last year and it was installed, this installation she did, which looked at the Great Barrier Reef, was installed at the Natural History Museum in Paris, which is one of the world's most extraordinary natural history museums. And it was received so well there. I think uh, the international community and the French particularly really responded well to Janet's installation. And of course, it's one of many. So with that, I want to welcome Janet Lawrence to Amplify. Thank you, Kim. Wonderful to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And being an artist in residence at a museum, is that a, something you'd ever heard of before? I had heard of it because the Natural History Museum in London had a group of artists. They've stopped that program now and I was always envying the possibility of doing something like that. And the Berlin Museum was looking at it, the possibility of doing it too and I'm not quite sure where they're at with that now but I think it's a wonderful idea certainly for the artists. I myself, the Natural History Museum's always been my playground. So, um, Indeed. Many days on the floor here at the museum, I'm walking around and I see people with sketchbooks sitting in front of uh, many of our objects on display, whether they're birds or animals or indeed corals or whatever it might be, drawing. And it's a wonderful free expression going on. But of course, that's where Natural History Museum's uh, came from really, didn't it? Came through art. Well, yes, I suppose, and the whole idea of um, um, looking at these collections that, um, of course, a lot of them were based on colonial plunder in those days, and um, being able to examine that the natural world in that way. Um, I think that crossover with art's been really interesting, of course, because at one stage they were all combined together in some of those grand museums. Well, that's right. Uh, In fact, here, uh, Jared Kreft, who was a German, who was Mm. a curator director of the museum through the mid-1860s, he was quite an accomplished artist Mm. and, of course, recorded many of his uh, new species finds by doing these magnificent paintings and drawings. Well, I always love to think of those expeditions that were went out exploring new, new territories. And of course, there was always the artist, and there was always the botanist, and their works sort of came to, came together. And I mean, I look, I'm looking a lot at the moment at the Botanical Museum in Berlin in the. Um, in the Botanic Gardens there and you do see all those notebooks and you do see those collections side by side which is a beautiful way to put it. Um, Often now they have become 
a little bit separated because of the way art museums have become separate places. It's interesting to see in Vienna where the art museum is um, beside the Natural History Museum with that amazing um, incredible avenue of trees between them. It's a, just quite a spectacular thing to see. Yes, in fact in many cities around the world the Art Gallery mm. and the Natural History Museum were co-located. In fact yeah. even in South Australia they are too in Adelaide. Yes right. they are. And we're not that far from the Art Gallery no. really, just a stone's throw across yeah. the domain there between us. But you know I, when you look in our archives, the Scott sisters of course, oh, who created marvelous. that incredible botanical and natural science depictions of the moths of Sydney and and the region. I mean, just the most beautiful work, which has been touring New South Wales from the Australian Museum for some time, but it's inspiring. I know. That was a show I came and spent a lot of time in and brought many people to. No, it's remarkable to see that work. So now I guess photography helped uh, translate objects in a a more exacting way than the sketch did but you've really taken this to a new level because especially with this deep breathing installation I've seen many of your other works in the past too Mm. uh, that have focused on animals and trying to communicate another aspect of the natural world in a very deliberate way I mean your works do set out to communicate something don't they Yes, and uh, they do, definitely, and they're drawn on um, scientific fact, often, and and objects that might be looked at in science and and the natural world. They're all about revealing aspects of the natural world and our relationship to it. But interestingly enough, there has always been, I suppose, a museumification in my work. I'm always thinking of um, dying to create little, sort of my own little museums, And um, one of my long, you know, I've made many, many models of little museums I'd love to make. And recently I had that project with the Sherman Foundation, which was called After Eden, which I kind of set up to be, um, what could a museum be about today in the Anthropocene? Like looking at um, the extinctions and looking at the lost habitats. And so it was another way of thinking about the museums. And I suppose... For me now, I'm wanting to um, talk about what we're losing more in my art. I mean, often, of course, my work's celebrating, of course, the beauty and extraordinary aspects of nature. But I know I feel compelled to try and reveal in this sort of state of emergency what's happening. And that state of emergency is most prevalent, I guess, uh, for Australians when we look at the Great Barrier Reef. And so you became artist in residence here and then you went up to our Lizard Island Research Station. Can you tell us what you did up there to help inform this work? Well, that was a a wonderful experience because it was... I was there. I went with Mandy Reid from the museum here. Uh, Mandy is a malacologist here at the museum and for those who want to look up their ology, malacology (laughs) is of course related to the study of shells and also corals. Yeah, so she was a marvellous companion to have there and came on my little research expeditions that I was doing like snorkelling and diving down to set up um, well coral with very sick coral as though we were setting up um, healing treatments or what I called homeopathic treatments and then just generally looking at things but the very exciting thing was we had our own lab like 
all the other scientists working there. And I, um, I was able to observe the experiments they were all doing or the research they were all doing and understand how much, just like artists, they were working, you know, with this sort of research, trying to find a way and a way to talk about it in, in their language as well. And I, um, I drew on that very much. At, I know. mean, the artist and the scientist are quite similar, really, aren't they? Because mm. you both focus exactly. on a particular issue and you study that in depth and you look at all the, the moving parts to it and then you look at how it all fits together. It's very similar. I think it's, it is very similar, That also that incredible um, personal drive and interest that's in the work. I mean, I think most scientists, like most artists, are sort of very love what they're doing. Um, and they, the more they're involved they are, the more sort of committed they are. They become quite myopic, in fact. But I think as an artist, I feel that I have an access to a different public than the scientist. And I think what's quite interesting is to be able to reveal a lot of that um, material that's seen in the scientific world and bring it into a more public viewing. In, and to do that I have to make it more accessible because I think sometimes um, a general public are a bit mystified by sort of scientific information and I feel that happens very much with the discussions of climate change. It sure does. I mean climate change mm in many ways frightens people, mm. I suppose, because we only hear about these terrible p potential mm. outcomes. But there, there is within our grasp an ability to have a positive impact and, and try and redress some of the climate change impacts. And I think your work, Deep Breathing Reef Resuscitation, where you've literally created little hospital wards for the corals, haven't you, and other yeah. creatures? Well, I wanted to try and bring empathy to the individual creatures to the individual patients and to try and um, let people experience the human side of what they'd be feeling in hospital and um, it's, it's a way I've tried to bring this um, aspect of um, the intense caring that the scientists are giving to the coral and the intense investigation they're giving to it, but bringing it into a, a human context of the hospital. But in actual fact we they, they have corals on, in hospital there too. You know, it's just that I suppose um, bringing it into the public uh, sphere of the museum, it, it's shown a bit differently and more playfully, less didactic and poetically, I think. It is very poetic, mm. in fact. Mm. And I've watched people here at the museum studying the work. They literally sit down on a bench in front of it and so I, I watched a man the other day spend two hours sitting in really? front of wow. deep breathing because there's so much to look at and to mm. try and understand. It brings out so much of the natural science of the Great Barrier Reef, but at the same time it's communicating the importance of scientific research, mm. it's communicating that we can do something about this, mm. the little tubes with the mm. colours coming down as if we mm. can add colour back to yeah. the reef on those areas that have been bleached. I mean, it does take you on a magnificent journey, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And as I was setting it up and exploring what possible treatments I could be giving the coral, I also realised that the scientists also, they're investigating all these things too, you know, which corals can retain colour and which, you know, and 
and and how the algae's perform in different um, temperatures. And so I tried to set up that, that I, there's even all these thermometers sort of measuring water temperatures in there. So you did quite a bit of research mm, on of this research. to, to yes. inform how you then interpreted it in an artistic way for the public. Yes, definitely. So yeah. it's in a way, because because it's also got this whole wunderkammer atmosphere that's a bit quite dazzling, which I kind of wanted to because sort of bring you in and feel very different to the other exhibits that are more um, put out for your observation to look at each specimen, as it were. These are sort of all interconnected together, which I feel that whole ecological system is, of course. Now, just before we wrap up, Janet, I wanted to just go back to something you said about how you'd made these mini museums. Is that something you did as a child as well? Did the museum fascinate you as a child? Yes, I always adored the museum. I loved it because I always don't know why. I just could always get this whole picture of it. It was all locked inside those doors. And one of the biggest thrills I ever had was when I did the um, showcases for the Melbourne Museum and spent a year going in and looking at the collection. And every morning I'd go in and I'd talk to all the taxidermied animals and I'd sort of ask how have you been all night and then when I'd leave at night those doors would shut and I don't know it's just it reminded me so much of when I was a child that I used to sort of say goodbye to the museum and all those things beautiful creatures in there. It's one of the great fascinations even working in a place like this I I sense that it does have that life of its own even though um the creatures, you know, if they are taxidermied or if they're study specimens or whatever they might be, it really does seem to have a feeling of a life of its own. Oh, definitely. I think um, it's amazing working around um, taxidermied um, animals. I found it quite extraordinary, even in Paris, because all of my my studio was down in the taxidermy department. Oh, was it? I've been I've oh. been lucky and been down behind the scenes there at the Natural History Museum in Paris which is a completely extraordinary museum. And its collections are just mind-blowing. Staggering. Staggering. Huge. And to watch those taxidermists, one who's been there for 50 years, working and um, how they they still teach it there. Mm. And there's not many parts of the world where where they're still doing it, let Mm. alone teaching it. Well, we, of course, do have a taxidermy Mm. lab here Mm. at the Australian Museum. We mostly uh, specialise in birds and small Mm. mammals, if we have large mammals, we have to tap into other resources around Australia. Yeah. But it really is fascinating. I, n- I never imagined I'd be running an institution that had a taxidermy lab, of all things. <laughs> it's marvellous. Well, taxidermy's become quite popular in art now. Yes, of course. Yeah, so it's... But it's all a lot to do with really engaging with these extraordinary creatures that we're aware that we're losing, I think. Yes, it is. It's... It, we can show extinct creatures here yeah. and that really makes you sad. That yeah. Extinctions Gallery oh. in Paris. Oh, I know. It's really, it's it's quite alarming to walk mm. amongst. Well, them. your work, Deep Breathing, Deep Resuscitation, is on at the moment at the Australian Museum. It's an extraordinary installation in our Wild Planet Gallery and I think it communicates so much about the Great Barrier Reef, how precious it is to Australia and to our psyche but more importantly, how it is under threat. And I just thank you, Janet Lawrence, for being our artist in residence here at the Australian Museum and for bringing us this extraordinary work. Well, thank you for having me here because it's the greatest privilege and um, a delight for me. 
Wonderful. I've been speaking with Janet Lawrence, a well-known installation artist in Australia who specialises in our natural environment. She's got a beautiful work, uh, Deep Breathing Reef Resuscitation, showing at the moment at the Australian Museum. This has been an Australian Museum podcast.